0: Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times, and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Morning. I'm Gabby Blackmore and as Pastor Bronson said, we get the privilege and honour to be the pastors of this amazing location and again, if you are visiting us for the first time, I want to say another big welcome, big welcome. Do you know, it's a big deal when people take time out of their day, so never ever take for granted when people take time out of their day to spend time with you or come to church. Hey, so today we're continuing part two of our series called Behold. Uh, which Pastor Bronson started last week. And the tagline for this series is Divine Encounters This Christmas. And we are certainly going to be believing for those, hey, divine encounters. Do you know, we'll be looking at uh, the story from the Christmas story from three different viewpoints. Uh, From the viewpoint of Mary, the mother of Jesus which we covered last week, um, and if you missed it and you need to catch up, listen to the podcast or watch the, watch it on YouTube, so then you can catch up. Joseph, the non-biological father of Jesus, which is what I'm going to cover today, and then a group of shepherds. Do you know, all these characters had behold moments in the lead up to and at the birth of Jesus, you know, they all experienced angelic or divine visitations that left them, let's be honest, pretty apprehensive in the moment, uncertain, and perhaps fearful. And why? Because they were facing a reality of a future they were not expecting. And you know, during this series, we're going to ask two questions. Pastor Bronson spoke about them last week, and they are, What does this divine encounter reveal about Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and therefore us? And what does this divine divine encounter reveal about God? Do you know, it's funny because we know how it all ends, don't we? We know. Because why? We've read about it for years and years. Probably all our life we've known about this. But for these characters, it would have stirred up Many, many feelings. This uncertainty, confusion, and I would guess quite a bit of fear. But this is what I want us to grab hold of today. What it tells us is that 2,000 years ago, these people had divine encounters with God. And that 2,000 years later, we can have divine encounters with God. That's amazing. I love that. Do you know, we sang that song today, Same God. This is what it's about. Yesterday, today, tomorrow, same. We're going to pray now. Let's just pray. I just want to thank you, Father, that you anoint my words today. I thank you, God, that there will be divine encounters in this room. Holy Spirit, as you're speaking to people's hearts and people's minds, I thank you that you will meet people in their needs today. Through my words, in your mighty name, amen. Amen. Who here watched the Women's Soccer World Cup semi final between England and Australia? Oh, come on, Australians? Who's Australian here? No, I'm just... Okay, there's a few people who watched it. Well, we watched it as a family. And if you know my family, we're not very sporty. Not much sport happens in my family. We are not like the Nobles where Collingwood and Essendon are playing yeah, Grand Prix, all that. We're not like that at all. We watched it. We sat down on the couch and we were watching it. And the score is 1-0 to England. And then Sam Kerr. She fires a rocket of a kick, hey. And she scores a goal. And what happens? The stadium erupts. Yeah, Australia wakes up. Suddenly, people are jumping off the couches. Well, we were certainly jumping off the couches. My least sporty child, Joelle was flying through that room, loved it. So funny, actually, I have to tell you. After that, she was watching clips of famous goals and wanted to be a soccer player all of a sudden. Ain't going to happen, darling. (laughs) But, you know, in that moment, you're like, maybe we can win this. Come on, there's this hope that stirs up inside you that, come on, Australia, maybe we've got this. But unfortunately, we know the outcome, don't we? It wasn't to be the matildas lost 3-1 and if you were like us while that was happening you're on the edge of your seat the whole time waiting that next goal that next move that next minute come on more overtime more overtime can australia do this but if i watch that game in replay now i would be watching with a very different feeling why because i know the result i know who wins I wouldn't have that same emotion, that same anticipation. But in that moment, as you don't know what is about to happen, it's quite intense because every minute is unknown. What's next? What's next? So today, I'd love us to try and put ourselves in Joseph's shoes. As if we are watching the soccer game live. We are just like Joseph. We don't know how it's going to end We are going to live in the moment, right? We are going to be live in that moment. So let's now turn to Matthew. If you have your Bibles with us, turn, otherwise it'll be on the screen. It's a bit of a long scripture, so bear with me. It's Matthew 1, 18, 23. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus." for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born and Joseph named him Jesus. Okay, let's let's just digest what has just happened here. Joseph finds out that his fiance, the woman he's going to marry, is pregnant. Now, let's just think about that. His mind would have been running 100 miles an hour. We haven't. We held hands. I'm sure we didn't. Just think about that. He's mine. He's a man, guys. Guys, I'm not a man, but I'm sure maybe that's how it is. And then and then we get real. Can I be real with us today, church? Can I be real? Joseph thought, Joseph's thoughts would have been something like this. Who is this guy? Who is he? I'm going to kill him. How dare he? How dare she? Virgin? Really? Come on, church, think about it. Think about that if your daughter, my daughter comes to me and says, "Mom, I'm pregnant. It's by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We'll have a chat about that. Just think about that. And the angel says, don't worry. It's not another guy. Don't worry. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, great. Very comforting. Think about that. This is a man who is to marry a woman, the shame, the ridicule, the gossip, what's happening? Just think about all that stuff as well. Do you know, we often hear a lot about an angel coming and making an announcement to Mary. But we can't forget Joseph. The key reason not to forget Joseph is not so much because he had a tough gig. And boy, he had a tough gig. You know, he's raising a son that sort of was and sort of wasn't his. But because what we think about Joseph and his story greatly defines what we believe about Jesus. Do you see, if we think that Joseph not being the biological father of Jesus is just a bit of exaggeration or that it adds to the drama, the drama that we love, it just adds, just puts part of that story If you think like this, we have a bit of an issue. Because if Joseph was indeed the real father, then Jesus is just another good moral teacher. I think I've moved my page. Let me just go back. This is why you need just normal paper. Do you know, we've had a lot of moral teachers in history, haven't we? And they've been helpful to the world but they're just another good person. They're special, but they're not really that special. We don't need another good person. But if God is the real father, that changes everything, absolutely everything. That means that Jesus is actually the son of God. Wow. Yes, Dave. Wow. This is shocking It's actually earth shattering and it's monumental for the whole of humanity. Changes everything. The Messiah coming as the actual son of God is not just for us now, but it was incredible for the people of the time as well. We saw earlier in verse 23 from Matthew, which is actually a quote from Isaiah 7.14. And it said, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. You see, for centuries, Jewish religious leaders and scholars, <clears throat> excuse me, they had known that prophecy. But they thought that it shouldn't be taken literally. They believed it was predicting some great leader through whose work would show God present to everyone. So they thought what he would do would show God's presence. But this announcement to Joseph is saying that the promise is greater than anyone could imagine. Jesus is God with us because the human life growing in the womb of Mary is literally God. Another wow. Yes. God becoming a man is the greatest miracle of all time, of all time. The theologian J.I. Parker said, The Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, unable to do more than lie and stare and wriggle and make noises, needing to be fed and changed and taught like any other child. The more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Amazing. Do you know, over this Christmas season, I want to invite you to meditate and think upon the fact that that the almighty God of the universe became a human being. Let's not get so familiar with that and just think it's part of a, a story. You know, as we're going through Christmas and we're making our Christmas lists, we're creating our lunch menus and dinner menus, we're decorating our houses, we're wrapping amazing presents for our wives, we're catching up with friends... We're purchasing more food than we can eat. We're eating more food than we need. We know that. Let us not lose sight of the miracle that the almighty God became a human being. Because whenever there is a behold moment, when heaven meets earth and God is revealed to a person or to us, the truth is always revealed. I mentioned earlier that we're going to be asking two questions. What does this divine encounter reveal about the characters and us? And what does this divine encounter reveal about God? But before I get to those, let's have another look at Matthew 1.21. It says this, And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. Do you know, the angel tells Joseph what he is to name his boy. In those times the cultural times, it was the father's absolute right to name his child. He had complete rights over his children and the naming was a sign of control over the family, the position of a man, right, the fatherhead. But we see here the angel takes that away from Joseph. A quote by Tim Keller explains it like this. He said the angel is saying to Joseph, if Jesus is in your life, you are not his manager. This child who is about to be born is your manager. You don't tell him or tell him, you don't name him or tell him who he is. He's come to tell you who you are. Powerful. So powerful. So here we have Joseph who's still coming you know coming to terms with the announcement that he's future wife, fiance, who, you know, she's pregnant and that he didn't even get involved in the fun part of creating this baby. And then he gets hit again. You're going to name him Jesus. you going to remove your right of naming and you're going to name him Jesus. Do you know, as humans, it's a known thing that it promotes. We like to name things because it promotes a sense of control and ownership. It's part of fallen nature. But just like Joseph... What we have is only an illusion of control. So what does this divine encounter reveal about us? It reveals that we have less control than we think. Do you know, COVID, I think, and I'm sorry for people who were shaking in that, but COVID revealed the reality to many of us that we are not in control. Do you know, after making it through that insane period, if you were like me, when we came out of that 700 years later, that's what it felt like, you were expecting to come back to a sense of normality or control to return. However, now we're asking the question, what is normal? That's what we're asking now. You know, as we scan the cultural horizon, we're confronted with so many different things, with challenges such as rising costs of living, conflict, war, cultural tensions political discussions, uncertainty, unrest. Once again, God is now calling us to release control and embrace and trust in him. In James 4.13, it says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Do you know pastor and author Mark Sayers speaks about the period between the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989 and December 2019 as the age of smooth. And during those years, there were some bumps along the way, but generally, if you had the resources, you could do what you wanted. You could fly here, buy this product, start this venture. You could basically do what you wanted. It felt like most things, if they were planned and resourced well, they would always work. But this is not the world we live in today. This is not where we are. What we had was an illusion, was only an illusion of control. Instead of trying to control, Jesus calls us to something very different, something very countercultural, to live in a way that most people think is absolutely crazy. You're going to have to commit to denying yourself. And what a crazy concept that is in the, the world of today, because today's world is all about me whatever I want to do, however I want to do it, wherever I want to be, me. Totally countercultural if the keys would come. See, following Jesus is not about saying, Jesus, I will follow you if ABC is in place. I will do this if XYZ is ready. It's not about weighing up the pros or cons or sitting down and working out, do you know what is going to be my return on investment if I follow Jesus? What What is it? What's this deal all about? It's not about that. Do you know, at the moment, we are looking at buying a new car because Joelle, and I know that I'm not old enough to have a daughter who's going to turn 18, clearly, but she's turning 18 next year and she's taking my car. So the plan is for us to buy a new car for me. So over the last week, we have looked at, Rick, please block your ears, getting an EV, an electric vehicle. See, he's already scrunching up in his nose because <laughs> I can do that through my workplace. So there have been lots of number crunching, you know, which car is it a Tesla, is it a Volvo, when, how long, owning versus, le- versus leasing, hurts my head really, leave that to Bronson, he's the spreadsheet man. But you know, unlike this process that we go through when we do things like this, we make decisions, to follow Jesus is not a negotiation. It's not a negotiation. It is a surrender. It's a surrender. It takes courage to do this. Real courage to do this. Do you know, at the end of my message today, if you have never taken this step of courage, and made the decision to follow Jesus, I will give you that opportunity. But let me ask you, I'm going to ask me today, are there some areas of your life where you need to relinquish control and trust God like Joseph? I'm sure there are. They're already popping up in my head, mine, not yours. I'm sure there are. In Luke 9, 23, 24, it says, Then He said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give your life for my sake, you will save it. See, Joseph obeyed and he gave up the rights to name his son. He trusted God's ways even when it didn't make sense. He trusted even when his mind is thinking totally outside of that, but something inside him said, God must know. So he trusted. Do you know, most of us struggle when God's way is the only thing that makes sense. We struggle in that part. Do you know, what, what does Joseph's divine encounter reveal about God? Is that God values every single piece of the puzzle, every piece. Do we have any jigsaw puzzle extraordinaires in the audience today? Yes. Val, Denise. Well, what is it? A thousand pieces? 5,000? 10,000? 1,000? Come on, Val. What's your biggest puzzle? Just say 50. It's very impressive. <laughs> do you know, the biggest puzzle I've done was a thousand pieces. I did a few over COVID because what else was there to do? But they would consume me. I would spend all my spare minute at this puzzle. And I would be up to very, very early mornings trying to find these pieces. And then once I'd make it, within a day I'd pack it up because I don't like the mess. I don't like things sitting around my house. I don't like to see these things, so they go away. So a bit of a waste of time, but we had lots of time. But when putting together a puzzle, it becomes very, it becomes evident very quickly that every piece is important. And you can't miss one, or even if you don't miss it, but if you position it wrong, You could actually stop yourself from finishing the puzzle. Each piece is significant and they're all needed in their place to to create the whole picture. Do you know, the same can be said about Joseph. It would have been easy to leave uh, Joseph out of the biblical narrative because it doesn't really seem like he does much. I mean, he does. He literally brought up Jesus 30 years of his life. Surely he was teaching, guiding, training all those years. But from a biblical point of view, you don't hear much about him. Yet Joseph plays a pivotal role in the redemption plan of humanity. It's easy to forget that. For the most part, Jesus lives in obscurity for 30 years. Joseph, together with Mary, they raising the Son of God, the hope of humanity. At first glance, it looks like Joseph gets a raw deal from God. He didn't participate in creating his son. He couldn't name his son. However, God is not looking for stardom and people of great fame. He doesn't look for that. He's not checking Joseph's social media account to see how many followers he's got, how many likes he has. But in today's Obsessed celebrity culture, it can be easy to look for the limelight and believe the lie that success equals being celebrated by others. But for Joseph's behold moment, it reveals that when we are unconditionally, unconditionally obedient to God and we trust in His plans, He takes takes our seemingly small part and He combines it with every other part to achieve His will. It's amazing. It's amazing. You know, is there anyone here today that knows that God is stirring something in them to be more obedient to Him, that requires more obedience? I know there is for me. See, this is what I love about God. His plan is less about you and me Than you think, but greater than you could ever imagine. Can can you understand that today? The plan is less about you and me, but it is greater than you could ever imagine. God's plans for you are vast, they're enormous. Proverbs 3 5 6 says this trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will make your paths straight. Do you know, as we discover God's will for each season of our lives and we walk in it, He uses us in powerful ways. Today, will you like Joseph take that step of courage and surrender in obedience and trust that God and His plans are perfect for your life? Let's pray this morning. Thank you, Father, for this amazing story of Joseph, a story of obedience and trust in your plan. Do you know today, the first step in trusting God is to surrender your lives to Jesus so you can have a relationship with Him. Earlier I said that if you wanted to make that decision or you haven't made that decision today, you wanted to take that step of faith, that big courageous step of faith, that I would give you the opportunity. So if you're in this place today, while all heads are bowed and all eyes are closed, if you want to make that decision to know this Jesus that came as a baby, baby but became the hope of humanity, because when He died, He did things in the spirit realm. He set things free. He created a future for you that you could never, ever imagine. If you want to know this Jesus today, while all eyes are closed, would you raise your hand? Only I'm looking. Thank you, Jesus. If that's you in this place today, I'd love you to say this prayer after me and everyone's going to join me. Thank you, Jesus. Today, I take a step of faith. I come before you with courage to say, Jesus, I give you my life. I want a relationship with you. And I want to know the purposes and plans that you have for my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Do you know, maybe today in this place, you just need to come to a place of surrender. Maybe there are things in your life that you just you just don't feel that you've been obedient to God in. And you know, we all know when God tugs in our heart, maybe there's something that you need to surrender today. I'm going to pray a prayer. And if that's you today, just be praying internally with me. We just thank you, Father, for every person in this place today. I thank You, God, for the calls of obedience that You have on our lives, God. But I pray that today we lift our eyes, we open our hearts and trust, God, that You have the best for us. Your plans are perfect for us, God, but we need to surrender. Surrender that You are the God who created us and knows the best for us like a perfect Father. We thank You, Jesus, that today we put those things down at the cross of Jesus and say, God, I surrender. I stand here in obedience to you so that you can have your way in my life. It's not easy. It's not easy. But I thank you, God, that you are God who is graceful. You are merciful and you are kind. You just love your people. And I thank you, God, that you work through it with us. And Holy Spirit, you're there to guide. You're there to guide and direct and provide wisdom. And we just thank you for your mighty plan that you have for every single person in this place today. In Jesus' name.